welcome to another episode of Deeper, where we dive a little bit deeper into scripture. I am your guide on this journey, Pastor Chris. You know, I, I want you to imagine that you have a child who's turning 18 and, and, and you're able to buy them a car. Now, not a brand new car, obviously, uh, but something that will get them from home to school or home to work. And, and so you go out and you find the car, the best car that you can find for them. And and you're very excited about doing this and so excited about about what you're going to do for your child that you you leave little hints around but not not enough to have them find out what it is but just enough so that that they know something big is going to happen i mean you may even go as far as buying a little matchbox car and giving it to them on their birthday to open but this is what we find in scripture too is this this idea of types and shadows i mean you you don't get the full story but you you get you get kind of built up for what is to come and 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 when paul is talking to the church in Colossae about food laws you know they were there were people coming to the church saying they weren't you know obeying the full law food laws according to the mosaic law but paul paul's kind of telling them not to judge each other based upon how they celebrate the festivals and he says in Colossians 2.17, he says, There are shadows of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And the writer in Hebrews, in talking about the sacrifices that are being offered at the temple, says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices, that they are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying that the the sacrifices, even though they seem to be able to uh, cover sin, they never fully eliminate people's sin. So what are these? Why are they going? Why are they happening? Why? What are these types and shadows that Paul talks about? A type of shadow is like a pre-echo. It's almost like God is so excited about what he's going to do in the future that he begins to drop little hints, you know, just enough detail so that careful students of Scripture can be prepared for what is going to happen, but not enough information so that they can change history or change the future, actually. You know, reading the Old Testament with this knowledge of the New Testament should give us a richer and, and a more meaningful experience and should make us marvel at the sovereignty of God. So I want to spend today kind of looking at the story of Joseph and how that story and those events that Joseph experienced in his life were a foreshadowing and a type of what Jesus was going through to experience in the future. Now, we, most of us probably know the story of Joseph. Uh, he was the, the son of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And his name was changed to Israel by God. And through some pretty strange circumstances that uh, may seem odd to our 21st century ear, Jacob has 12 sons by four different women, four different wives, actually. And his favorite son is from his wife, Rachel, who was the first woman woman he wanted to marry, but Laban, her father, tricked him. And his favorite son is Joseph, 
in Genesis 37.3. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. See, Joseph was greatly loved by his father, just as God greatly loves his son. In Matthew 3.17, we see, and behold, this is during the time when Jesus is being baptized by John, and he comes up out of the water, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. God loves his son Jesus. Now, now Joseph's brothers did not quite have the same opinion of their younger brother as their father did. And, and they kind of showed it. You know, Joseph was about 17 years old. And we see in Genesis 37, he is out with two of his brothers. Of course, obviously, they are his half-brothers. And, and they were told by their father how they were tend, to tend the sheep, and, and they didn't do it. So what does Joseph do? He goes back to his father and he tells on them, well, obviously what's going to happen? His brothers are going to get in trouble. So that did not exactly endear him to his brothers. And on top of that, Joseph begins having dreams. He, he dreams that these 12 sheaths of wheat are around surrounding him and they bow down to him. And being young and impetuous, he... Um, decides to share that information with his brothers. And then he also has a dream where the sun and the moon bow down to him and shares that with his father. And they don't take too well to it. And it was so bad that his brothers hated him. They hated him so much because of how much his father showed his love to him by giving him a coat of many colors where he did not give that to his other brothers. Now, we can look at that and we can also see that, you know, Jesus himself was hated by his brothers. In John 7, 1 through 9, it says, After this, Jesus went up in Galilee and he would not go to Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, the Jews are his Jewish brothers. Blood by uh, brothers by blood, and they wanted to kill him. And now the Jewish Jews' feast of booths was at hand. It was the time of the the feast of tabernacles. So his brothers said to him, "These are his actual brothers, his brothers from that that Mary and Joseph had after Jesus. Leave here, and go to Judea, that your disciples may also see the works you are doing, for no one works in secret." If he seeks to be known openly, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. And Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about the, how, how its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And after saying this, he remained in Galilee. As I said, Joseph's brothers also wanted to kill him. 
in Genesis 37, starting with verse 18. They saw him from afar. His, his father had sent his brothers out with the sheep, but it kept just Joseph at home. And as time had gone on, because the sheep were out at pasture for quite a long time, he sends Joseph out to check on them. His father, Jacob, is oblivious to the feelings that his sons have towards his youngest son, or he just doesn't care. But they see him from afar, and they said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. You know, Jesus received similar treatment from his Jewish brothers, not his blood, not his actual brothers by Mary and Joseph, but the Jews, his kinsmen. In Matthew 27, it says, When Jesus, when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Now, we, we know that Joseph was not killed by his brothers, but instead he was sold to foreigners, the Ishmaelites, for 220 grams of silver to con, con, cover their deeds, to, to kind of make it so the father wouldn't know what happened. The brothers tore Joseph's robe from him and covered it in blood, and they took it to their father. You know, Jesus was also stripped of his clothes, not by his brothers, but by the Romans. In Matthew 27, 28, it says, And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. But he too was sold to foreigners by one of his own kinsmen, by Judas Iscariot, for 420 grams of silver. So here we have a, another image, another type and a foreshadowing of what was to come. When the Ishmaelites arrived in Egypt, they sold Joseph to a man named Potiphar. And everything Joseph did prospered. We see this in Genesis 39, 1-6. It says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. Potiphar could tell that God was blessing Joseph. And that the Lord had caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him an overseer in his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And from the time that he made him an overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field so that he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now, our first thought, if we look at that as a type and shadow, might be that, well, I'm not so sure that Jesus uh, succeeded. I mean, come on, he was crucified. That's that's not something that you normally would put on your resume, something to be proud of. But we have to look at it from God's perspective. In Isaiah 53, we have this great messianic prophecy. Verse 
10 to 12 are, are, are of great interest when we are comparing Jesus and Joseph. It says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. See, there will be those today who say that, well, God didn't kill Jesus. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're wrong. Scripture plainly says that it was God's will for Jesus to go to the cross. And also, that Jesus says, nobody takes my life. I give it up freely. Isaiah goes on with God saying, he, he was put him, he has put him to grief. God put Jesus to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Jesus prospered the will of the Lord. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted as righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. He succeeded for us by going to the cross. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. He did exactly what God's will was. He was prosperous in fulfilling God's will. Very successful at it. And in bearing our sin and purchasing for us our salvation by his death. But for Joseph, all good things must come to an end. At least it seemed that way. Now Joseph was a good-looking lad. He was an attractive man. And Potiphar's wife took notice. In Genesis 39, it says, After a time his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. They were not planning on taking a nap. He wanted her to make love to her. But Joseph refused. And in the process, he was falsely accused and sent to prison. He, and in this, Joseph never sinned. He, he did not sin when she tempted him. In fact, he ran from her so quickly that she was able to grab his overcoat and use it to accuse him. You know, Jesus was also tempted to sin, but he too never fell into temptation. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus knows what we're going through when we're tempted. That's why he is able to provide a way out. Now, while Joseph is serving out his sentence in prison, he's put in charge of the jail, the section of the jail by the jailer. And again, whatever Joseph did, the Lord made succeed. And in the process during this time, after quite a while, uh, the baker and the cupbearer of Pharaoh are put into jail where Joseph was in charge. Now, the cupbearer, uh, was more than just someone who carried the cup. The cupbearer was very close to the Pharaoh because he was the one who would taste the wine or 
the drink to make sure that nobody was poisoning it. If he died, then obviously Pharaoh wouldn't drink it. If he lived, then Pharaoh would drink it. And during this time that they're in jail, they both have dreams that they don't understand. And after a time of, of, uh, of, of having these dreams and no one being able to interpret them, Joseph is able to interpret these dreams. And the dreams are interpreted. Joseph says, one of you, meaning he's talking actually to the, to the cupbearer first. He says, you, in, in three days you will be released and go back to working for Pharaoh. And in the process, the the uh, the baker says, "Ooh, well, hey, I'm I'm gonna get the same dream. I've had the similar dream. I'll get the same interpretation." But in the process, Joseph says, "Your dream means that in three days you too will be lifted out of jail, but you will go to the gallows." Now, one of those men were going to be released to life. And the other one was to suffer death. Now listen to the fulfillment of these dreams in Genesis 40. It says on the third day, which again is kind of interesting, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants, which means he brought them both out of prison. He restored the chief cup bearer to his position and he placed the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted it to them exactly how he said it would happen. Now understand Joseph was not just some magician who could, who could decipher dreams. These Dream interpretations were coming from God directly. What is kind of interesting about this um, part of the narrative is that, you know, Jesus was punished just as Joseph was being punished. And he was hung between two thieves. Now, one of those criminals uh, would ultimately be going with Jesus to paradise and the other would not. In Luke 23, it says one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, rebuked the other prisoner, the other thief on the cross saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we, indeed, we are justly receiving our due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then this thief turns to Jesus. He says, remember, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. One was released to paradise in eternal life the other to eternal death in hell. Now, some time passes. Um, Joseph had told the chief cupbearer, please, when, when you go back to Pharaoh, when you're restored, please say some good things about me so, so Pharaoh will let me free. 
So time passes, and Pharaoh begins to have dreams that trouble him. And none of his magicians, none of his sorcerers can interpret the dream. So all of a sudden, the, the cupbearer remembers, oh, that's right, Joseph, he was able to interpret my dream. So he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. And Joseph is brought out of prison, and, and Pharaoh reveals his dream to him and asks him, can you interpret this dream? And, and the amazing thing was Joseph gave God the glory and says, no, it's, 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 it's Yahweh that gives dreams and gives the interpretation and the interpretation was that there were going to be seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine and joseph says so what shall we do who shall we be how who should we put in charge and, and, and joseph says well, well pharaoh this is what you should do you should gather all the grain that you can during those seven years of prosperity and then sell it back to people, to the people during those seven years of famine. And, and Pharaoh says, well, is there not anybody better in the kingdom than you, Joseph? And he raises Joseph up and makes him second to Pharaoh in all the land. In Genesis 42, it says, now Joseph was governor over the land. He was one of the who sold to all the people of the land. And during this process, during this time, there's not just famine in Egypt. There's famine over the whole area. And what we also read in Genesis 42 is that Joseph's own brothers come down to Egypt. It says, And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph's dream of the twelve sheaves of wheat bowing to him is fulfilled you know one day everyone all will bow to jesus paul writes in philippians 2 he says therefore god has highly exalted him being jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father everyone every human on earth above earth in under the earth which is in hell or in gehenna Every creature, all the council in heaven, all the angels and demons on earth, and all those who are under the earth in hell or a Gehenna will bow to him and declare him Lord. Even Satan himself must bow to Christ. Now, there are many other types and shadows dealing with the story of Joseph. And in fact, throughout the Old Testament, and I challenge you to look for them. Now, remember the purpose of the types and shadows that I mentioned at the beginning of this video. It's to help us marvel at the sovereignty of God. And I have one more type and shadow to share with you. 
When Jacob had died, Joseph's brothers were afraid. They were afraid of the retribution that his brother, their brothers, his brother, their brothers, Joseph, may put upon them. See, they, they felt that their father had always protected them from Joseph. But now that he was gone, they expected Joseph to get his revenge. Joseph tells him not to worry. In Genesis 50, it says, But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. For I, for am I, am I to be in the place of God? God has said, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'm, I, Joseph says, I'm, I'm not to take God's place in getting vengeance. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring about that many should be kept alive as they are today. So don't fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know, likewise, Jesus' suffering on the cross was God's will in order that many would be saved. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, for there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, the man, Messiah, Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. God's will in his sovereignty will be accomplished. And we can rest in the fact that nothing occurs outside of his purview. Nothing that has happened in the last year and 10 months is outside of God's purview. All of those who have done what they should not have done during this pandemic will have to answer for it. They will not escape judgment, but that's God's judgment to take care of. We will, we, when we are in the midst of trials and tribulations, God is there. He knows what we need to persevere and he if we are walking in the Spirit, will give us what we need to make it through. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, the race we are running will have its ups and downs. There's many times we are going to stumble and we are going to fall. But God is there to pick us up. And you know, he's going to pick us up and move us further down the race. And we're going to stumble and we're going to fall again. And we're going to go down the hill. We're going to go up the hill. But he truly is our Abba Father that I talked about last week in my sermon. I'll put a link to it 
in the notes below. Put your trust in him and run the race to win the prize of eternal life that is in Christ Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the bell so you get notices. Share this video with people. I hope this message has encouraged you. Please join us on Sunday mornings if you're in the area at 10 o'clock for our worship service and a a time of, of going through the scriptures. I hope that you have a blessed day in the Lord. Go in peace. Thank you.